Hey everyone, this is Jason. Oh, this week is really fun. Angel Collinson has a mental game that's likely among the best in skiing. Listen in this week and hear how visualization, meditation, deep breathing, and deploying a feminine approach to fear and a not-so-secret mantra has enabled Angel to become one of the best big mountain skiers in the world. It's an illuminating conversation this week. Tune in and listen and hopefully find a way to take your skiing to the next level. Hello, everybody. This is Jason Blevins, and you are listening to Next Level Skiing, a podcast by Telluride's own Wagner Custom Skis. And we are going to explore tips, hacks, techniques, and strategies for taking our skiing up a notch. Seems like in this sport, it's just a little too easy to sit back and cruise. So what can we do to get to that next level, break off the plateau? Hopefully, this collection of skiing luminaries can elevate our game on snow. So gather around, fellow rivers. Let's get started and find our next level. Hey, everybody. This is Jason, and we are with Wagner Custom Skis Podcast, Next Level Skiing. And today, super excited, we have the one and only, the pioneer, Angel Collinson. Angel is joining us from Alaska, Girdwood. Thanks for jumping on with us, Angel. Yeah, psyched to be here. It's going to be fun. So like we said, we are talking about ways that everyone from intermediate to experts can improve their skiing. We're trying to talk to a wide variety of folks and see what we can learn from everyone who's uh, sort of built a life around skiing. What can we learn to maybe get off a plateau and, and take our skiing to the next level? For you, I'm hoping we can talk about some of your adventures in the big hills. Um, so... <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into skiing. You you were kind of bred into skiing, right? Growing up in Little Cottonwood? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, my dad was a ski patroller. So we lived in this little employee apartment up at Snowbird Ski Resort. So, yeah, I pretty much, I don't know what life would look like without skiing. Skiing's kind of always been the, cor- not the cornerstone, but like the central foundation of the way I view life, I guess. And did you like aspire to be a pro? Was that always a plan? Were you hoping to build a career and a life on skis or did it just happen? Well, it's not really, definitely not for big mountain skiing. I had some pretty lofty aspirations for racing and I ski raced until through my like PG or so after through my, when I was 18 and that was where I had all of my skiing goals and I wanted to make the US ski team and compete on the Olympics and race in the World Cup and I think all of those things could have been a possibility. I had a really successful last year even though I didn't get chosen for the D team but I was pretty burnt out at that point. So I was like, screw it and I took up an academic full ride scholarship. And I was like, I don't have to ski for college. This is the best. And my brother was like, well, you should just enter in some big mountain comps for fun. And because I know that you're just going to spend every day in the library. And I'm like, I know, because I'm sort of like an all or nothing person. So I just entered in some comps to like keep me having fun outside. And then one thing led to another and was never really a goal. But uh, here I am. And you won your first big mountain competition, right? Um, no, I didn't win the. Oh. Fr- I got third in the first one. Oh, wow! Still. Yeah, but I won the Obviously. overall that year. 
So pretty good indication right out of the gate that you were onto something, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Or maybe it was just that I was having fun and skiing for me. I don't know. Um, and so as you developed kind of as, you know, you're commonly referred to as, as a pioneer for, you know, sort of leading lead, you and a handful of other women leading the charge into uh, some of these really audacious big mountain lines and the filming world. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about how your mental game developed in skiing, how you were able to kind of make that transition from maybe high speed gates to, you know, something where you can't see over the horizon line. You don't necessarily know what's coming up. That's always been an intimidating factor of that AK skiing to me is mm -hmm. you can see where you're going to end up because the helicopter's down there at the bottom and you know your first couple turns, but then everything else you can't see. Yeah. Yeah. So it's how did scary. you kind of make that? Um, yeah. It's super scary every time. <laughs> All of us are scared. Um, and so it's more just like how you manage the fear. And I think something that I learned from racing that really helped was uh, visualization, like, you know, inspecting a course, remembering the really technical turns and sort of being able to go over it in your head. And it's a little bit different the way that we apply it. But I think having the the mental faculty of like being able to recall something and visualize or think your way through it and have that self-confidence of like, I got this and I'm going to get through it. Like that is a big factor. Cause if you're up there and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm really freaked out right now. What if this thing slides? What, you know, you can start going into the what ifs. And if you are unsure of where you need to go or, you know, whether or not you're going to be able to do it, like that adds in a lot of unnecessary stress or maybe it's necessary, but <laughs> hopefully you're always skiing within your abilities. So yeah, I think racing really helped with that. And, um, I have a good picture, like, a uh, what do they call it? Vis I can see like visual images and remember them pretty well. So we always are looking at it from the bottom always, every time. So you know how to plan your line. And then, yeah, it's a matter of just like visualizing it as much as you can. We'll take photos on our camera or smartphone. And then, so it's pretty much a blind rollover, but after time you get pretty good at figuring out the scale of slopes and everything. So it can still be a blind rollover, but you've got your bearings in the distance to kind of be like, okay, that turn is probably 50 feet to my right and down the slope, 200 feet or whatever. So it takes yeah. a lot of practice, but yeah, having that mental game and the visualization from racing helped a lot. Sure. Some of those turns in AK where it gets really steep. It feels like you're skiing off the edge of a bowling ball or something. Yeah. You travel so far with each turn and it's like so yeah. far down. It's like yeah. falling in a white elevator shaft or something, right? Yeah, totally. But, and so you're just able to, you, visualization is one thing, not only visualization of the line, but visualization of yourself acing that line. Totally. Yeah. A little bit of both there. Yeah. I mean, I think we all know with anything in life, it's like you can't, you're probably not going to be able to do it if you're like, I don't, I can't do this. I can't do it. Or maybe it's like a little unsure and you're like, I don't know, I can't do this. And then you just go for it and you do it. I think that's a little different than really thinking you can't do something and the power that that has, you're probably not going to be able to pull it off. <laughs> so really like having a good mantra and positive self-talk or like 
super key. One thing for you guys as pros is that there's a lot of, you know, waiting. Um, you're either at the bottom in a tent for days on end yeah. to, you know, they'll drop you off. And then, you know, especially in AK, that stuff will blow right in and you will not have your line for a long time. What's your process? M- maybe tell us both sides, you know, from a tent when you're just chilling, a lot of downtime and then all of a sudden, you know, it goes bluebird and boom, game on, you know, filmers are tensed up because they're spending mad cash trying to, you know, wait for this and they really want the performance on that day right there. Um, how do you step into that and get your game face on for, you know, those, those sudden like go from zero to hundred sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. That I would say is one of the most, or one of the more defining characteristics of like film skiing or skiing in AK. Yeah. Cause like you said, you'll be in a tent for a week getting rained on. You can't even go outside. Well, you maybe could go outside and run or skin or whatever, but if it's pouring rain, you don't really have very good motivation. You're just eating trail mix all the time. But, uh, it's, I think it just kind of comes back to that, like positive self-talk and being able to access it in a moment, because like you said, it's, and I think this happens to all of us in life, like where you are blah, 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 going along with your life. Maybe things are going pretty easy. And then whammo, you're hit with something that requires you to totally show up and commit like at the drop of a hat. Maybe it's, um, like something bad that happens to a loved one that you have to take care of or whatever. And so in order to be ready for that moment, you have to be resourced, resourced enough, you know? So like, all the time leading up to it. And hopefully in our day-to-day lives or when we're around at camp, it's just having the good practices that take care of yourself as much as you can, whether it's your body, your mind. And, uh, sometimes I'm better at it than others, but for me, I, meditation is a really big tool and just sort of constantly checking in with myself and being present. So I just kind of am always in that state of intimacy with my own mind so that when I'm out there, it's not like, whoa, geez, how do I work this thing? Like my brain, geez, I haven't thought about anything for a while. I don't know. Um, so yeah, the, the prep work and just keeping in constant sort of connection with myself through meditation has been my biggest tool because it is pretty crazy when you're like pretty much being a couch potato and then you're expected to go ski maybe the most difficult thing of your life at the drop of a hat. But, you know, to that extent, we always have a warm up where we, at least with TGR, we always try and do a warm up run. Maybe it's pretty mellow, but just to get our legs moving. Sure. But just a little bit to get the blood flowing. So it's not like we're going to the gnarliest film line you see straight after a week. They're always, especially if there's a little bit of weather, there's a little bit of work in time, but yeah, if we're waiting on like a really gnarly objective and we just need the perfect conditions and like it's firing that day, we make sure everyone's ready and feeling good. And and then, yeah, then you get dropped off there and then you got to really uh, <laughs> have that good self-talk in place and yeah, just have all your tools polished. Next Level Skiing is brought to you by Wagner Custom Skis in Telluride, Colorado. If you want to have more fun skiing, an easy option is a pair of custom rides from Wagner. Really, it's one of the smartest ways to take your skiing to the next level. Before the crew at Wagner starts building your skis, they guide you through their skier DNA fitting system. It starts with an online questionnaire, pretty in-depth questionnaire. Check it out at wagnerskis.com DNA. 
And then it ends with a chat with an expert ski designer who really grills you about how you ski and what you like to ski. So armed with this skier DNA, they forge a set of skis optimized just for you. The perfect length, width, side cut, tip and tail shape, camber, rocker, stiffness, flex pattern, materials, and of course, graphics, all sculpted and precision crafted by skiers in Telluride. It's a smarter way to buy skis. doesn't matter where you live or, or really even what your level of skiing is. You can work with a ski designer at Wagner Custom, and they will dial in the ski design so that when you click in, you will tune into your skiing. You're going to feel immediately at ease with improved balance and comfort and control. It takes about three weeks from that interview to that oh-so-happy day when the tall box from Wagner lands on your front stoop. And each pair is fully guaranteed. Click over to wagnerskis.com slash DNA and find your next level with a pair of customized Wagner skis. So what is like meditation? Walk, walk us through that. I don't know if you're going to give away your yeah. secret, but um, no. you know, like what, what do you do? Do you, are you like, all right, my feet feel good. Do you like work your way up or do you work your way down or how's that work? Yeah, well, it kind of depends on the day. And I guess the one thing I would say about meditation is for a long time, even though I was a pretty self-aware person, I felt like I couldn't meditate. Like I just couldn't get into it. Uh, It was a habit that I couldn't break. I tend to be in my head a lot. So when I end my mornings are the most productive. So when I wake up, it's like, bang, I want to use my brain because I'm thinking a lot. And so to think of like sitting down for five minutes even was like not a uh, uh, thing that I thought I could do. Right. And so it started f- with me. I had a boyfriend and he was like, just start with a breath, Angel. It doesn't have to be this big thing. It doesn't even have to be a minute. Just start with a breath, breath where all you think is in and then all you think is out. And that's, it can be it. And I bet that you'll do it. And then you're like, "Mm, I could do that a little bit better. Like I could be a little more present than do another one. And pretty soon, like you're doing it for a minute, maybe five minutes. So that was how it started for me. It was never like, I have to sit here for 15 minutes while I wrestle with my own demons and try not to think. (laughs) Right. But now, now it kind of, I let it be a lot of different things. It's, um, sometimes when I'm really tired, uh, I'll do it like laying down sort of with my feet together and my knees like a little bit splayed open. But sometimes it'll just be deep breaths to kind of feel like energy coming into my body, feel myself waking up to just sort of feel what's going on. If I'm feeling more energized or maybe if I'm really nervous about a line that we know we're going to ski soon and Uh, my mind's on it. Maybe I've got a lot on my mind and it won't stop racing. I'll just sit and try and breathe. So I'll do a count breath. My favorite one, there's a lot of different awesome ones, but my favorite one is where you count on a seven count inhale or a four count inhale, and then you hold for seven count and then you exhale all the way out for eight. And I swear after doing that, like five breaths, you feel way more chill, but not like so zened out that you can't focus on what you need to do next. So that breath is a really big one. And sometimes it's just sitting with myself and noticing the thoughts that come up and being like, oh man, I'm really nervous about it. Okay. Oh geez. I can't get it out of my head. I'm really nervous about it. Or maybe it's something else in life, like an upcoming trip or my dad or 
mom or brother, who knows what. And I'll just notice like, oh, this is bothering me today. And that can be such a helpful tool, just knowing what's bothering you. Because when you get out in life or in these gnarly situations, we don't always notice what's affecting us emotionally. And that really plays a big role on the decisions that you make. And if you don't realize how stressed out you are or tired you are, sometimes you won't make as good of decisions because you don't realize where you're at. And so like pilots have an extensive list. How many hours of sleep did you get? Like, have you, how are, how's your relationship going with your significant other? I don't know. It's like a huge checklist. And if they, if too many of them don't check off, they can't fly for however long the next day or whatever. So this is something I was learning about in some of the avalanche courses I took, um, and just other sort of risk assessment courses, but yeah, just really getting a good baseline. And so sometimes that's all it is, is just sitting by myself and being like, man, I can't stop thinking about this stuff. Like, okay, it's bothering me. Noted. And then I'll try and breathe as much as I can. Or sometimes it's easy to drop into a really like Zen state where I feel just, um, nothingness or everythingness and I can just sit there and that's really nice, but that's not super common when I'm in a tent. Do you, Does that help? Sorry, that yeah, was a uh, really, really long explanation. Uh, so perfect. So perfect. I, I really like that. Do you use it outside of skiing? Do you do you meditate when you're not, you know, right now in the summer, like before you go for a bike ride out there? Um, well, you know, it's actually kind of funny. I do really like meditating outside, like especially if you're by yourself or with your dogs, you get to the top of a peak or maybe just like a to the base of a really cool tree or something. But up here in Alaska, it's so mosquito-y that I haven't really found like a great way to do it unless I'm like wearing full rain gear with my hood cinched all the way around. But I would when I'm out in the mountains up there, um, I don't really meditate when I'm up there. Like sometimes it'll do maybe I'll do like trying to a little mini couple breath, like couple breaths where I'm just trying to be present and dispel the nervous energy, get a little more in my body. Like I get really shaky on top of my lines. And so just like the deep breaths and kind of, um, not focusing on what I'm afraid of, but focusing on how beautiful everything is around me and how awesome life is. And the fact that I get to do that, that's usually how I get my nerves to go away is like taking a second. And it's almost like a mini meditation, I guess, but just looking around at nature and being like, man, this is so beautiful. Like your friends are over on the ridge a ways away and you're like, yeah, they look so tiny and awesome over there or whatever. Like I do that quite a bit. Well, that's a pretty good way to sort of address any fear, but it's, so if something comes up in your head that says, this could be dangerous. You don't necessarily reject it. You acknowledge it and say, yeah, this could be dangerous. You're all right. You should be somewhat, you know, concerned about that. But let's take a look at how the fact I can see for 25 miles from the top of this peak or something. Yeah, totally. And I think it's, um, and I'm not sure if men and women are, are different in this way or if it's more a because we all have masculine parts of ourselves and feminine parts of ourselves. And I'm not, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily the way men or women deal with it differently, but I think there's more a masculine way of dealing with fear and a feminine way of dealing with fear um, that are quite different. And I think with like, when I'm more in masculine mode, I sort of sh like shut it out and I'm like, um, it d like, I know I can do this and I'm not going to think about it because I just know I can do it, but I don't operate in masculine mode very well a lot. So if I'm like kind of more in my feminine mode, um, I, it's more a part of embracing the fear, like really acknowledging that it's there and 
if you're standing on top of something, um, you should always be a little bit afraid and be listening to it, you know, and like all guys and girls, all of us, we all are. And it's just a part of it, right? When you're pushing yourself and there is inherent risk and hopefully you're in touch with yourself, you are skiing just at, um, you know, the edge of your ability and not going in over your head. And then it's manageable. Um, unless you have that gut feeling that when you get to the top, which is also why it's really helpful to sort of be in good, or at least for me, this is the way I do it, to be in good touch with myself. Because sometimes you get this gut feeling that comes in that's like, I'm freaking terrified and I don't want to ski this thing. And that's oh, there's always a little part of you that's saying that, like, oh, this is scary. I don't want to do it. But sometimes there's a bigger, like it's almost a quieter voice, but it comes from like a deeper place that's like, no, I really don't want to do it. And that's something to really pay attention to and listen to. And it's always good to listen to your fear because it's your biggest tool, I think. Yeah. yeah. Does, fear is your biggest tool. That's interesting. Yeah, I would say. I mean, and it's now does that, not does that come instantly. Like, will you know that feeling is there? The heli drops you off, you're on a line, you know, within a minute or, you know, does it come 20 minutes later? Because say whitewater kayak. And if I stand and look at a rapid for 20 minutes, I can pretty much talk myself out of running a class five drop after 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I try not mm -hmm. to stand there and look at it too much. I just walk up and say, this is it. Got it. See the line. Boom. Go, mm -hmm. go get in the boat. If I stand there mm -hmm. too long and think about it too long, I will talk myself out of anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's totally, I mean, that's a really like valid point you brought up because it, especially when you're standing on top of a line and the clouds come in, so you're waiting for light or whatever, it is really easy to second guess. But I think, um, whitewater, first of all, whitewater kayaking is so gnarly. So like sketchy. I am just so impressed by all you really good kayakers because I think it's the most terrifying thing I've ever seen or done. But, um, there, there is that aspect of being able to talk yourself out of it. Uh, and that's like giving into the nervous energy, but it's, I don't know. It's like, it, there's a deeper thing where you're just like, I just don't feel good about this. Right. And, I and you probably know that maybe before you even ski it, but sometimes it takes a second where you're really listening to it. Cause it is really hard to distinguish from like your self-preservation <laughs> instinct. That's always there. You know, it's like, what are you doing? You dumbo? Why are you about to ski this? Um, but yeah, that's it, that, uh, that deeper feeling. I think you, you always know deep down, you probably have it as soon as you're looking at a line or something. And, and sometimes it is like, maybe the line's totally within your ability, but that day your mental faculties aren't working that great, or maybe you're a little tired, or maybe there's just something off with you. It's not yeah. your day to see that. And I don't know. I, th I think for me, usually I'll either know at the bottom, um, or when I'm flying up in the heli and like usually I'll have a line kind of a plan a and a plan b in case my plan a i'm just like not feeling it well that's good and have you ever you know there's added pressure with you pro guys that you know 99.9 percent .9 of us don't have and that um you know it's it's important for you to finish the job you know you're like mm -hmm. kind of getting paid yeah. for being out there and yeah. there's a lot of people relying on you and then a lot of people yeah. made big investments and that's added pressure that maybe you know your average skier doesn't feel but you're you know so that is like another element for you guys a lot of times in those lines especially if you're feeling that 
that lurking sort of shadow that's saying, not today, Angel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Have you ever um, backed off something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, and I've backed off it with other guys too. It would, like, I think I, I really learned the the importance of it from hanging with like Sage and Ian, those guys especially. They're not afraid to back off of something if they don't feel like it. And I remember one time Sage and I got dropped off on Pyramid up in Haynes, this kind of classic line. And it wasn't, we were skiing the shoulder of it. It wasn't even that gnarly. It just, was like kind of hot light. It was getting a little warm and we got dropped off up there. Totally easy to ski for the most part. Like there's some, there's obviously some challenges, but I will always remember him just being like, I don't feel good about this. I don't know. Let's get picked back up in the heli. Let's call it for today. And it was like weird energy day. And he just, we got picked back up in the heli and I'm like, all right. So I've never been afraid to do that. And it's really important to you, but it is really hard. Like the human, fa- that that's the thing about the human factors, right? Like they happen because we don't see they're happening. <laughs> so it is easy to be just with anything when we're, when we're under stress or pressure, anything in life, you're probably going to make worse decisions. Um, and so again, that's for me where I come back to like trying to be as self-aware and have a, that daily check-in. To be like, okay, yeah, it's day 14 and we haven't gotten a single shot and it's been snowing the whole time and we have two days left in the trip and it's really easy to rush into things or to push yourself more because you're like, I may only have one shot at getting this, period. And I think having that perspective of and working with good a good team is really important because you, you, you all build off of each other and, and same with you, like your partners in the mountains or in sports, right? We all, we're all building off of each other. So having partners that are always, um, you know, thinking about the bigger picture and like, it's never, one line is never worth any accident. So yeah, it's exactly. always worth it to step off of something or to just call it or whatever. And it's really hard to do, but having a team that supports that and is like, you know what? Yeah, you're right is so, so helpful. With this podcast, we're, we're um, you know, exploring ways that uh, skiers can kind of improve their technique, their mindset, their skiing, just really take it to the next level. Um, so one thing we're asking everyone is, is there a particular piece of advice that's resonated with you over the years of your career or something you got as a kid? You know, it could be something simple like put your shins in front of your boot, um, keep your hands in front of you, or something even more you know, deep and mental, um, anything in your career, your life skiing that you still find yourself repeating in your head, a little mantra or a little something that you say, all right, game time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you said I could pick two, maybe can I pick two? Yeah. Pick two. Okay. For me, my, my technical thing that I'm thinking about a lot is, like you said, like front of the boot ankle flexion, but also just outside ski and <laughs> just really getting over that outside ski. Cause we all know when you're mobbing, like if you're a little bit inside, like your turn might not be as clean. Who knows what could happen if you're a little bit inside. So I'm really making sure like I'm a lot of my weight is on my outside ski is sure. especially when I'm going fast is my kind of big, big thing. But I think that that positive mantra, my my parents always said, don't set limits on yourself because other people will always try and do that for you. And 
I think because of that, I have this belief of like, for a lot of things, I'm like, oh, I bet I could do that. And that's when I'm on top of my line, like, or any time in life, that mantra that I was saying earlier is just so important. Like, I got this. I can do it. I got this. I got it. Whatever it is for you, that those like words of affirmation of you being able to do the thing is my, I guess, not so secret <laughs> trick. Well, it's worked well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Um, cool. Well, um, this has been great. I, I hope that listeners can uh, find something in there. I know that I have already. Um, great mantra. I got this. I got this. I like that. (laughs) I use that all the time now. So everybody listen, if you want to hear this uh, more about this, you can click over to wagnerskis.com and we'll have all these podcasts listed up there as well as some, uh, some written copy for folks who prefer to read. But um, Angel, thank you so much. Um, You're heading to South America. Where are you headed? Bariloche, Argentina. Oh, nice. How's the weather down there? To be honest, I haven't really been paying attention. <laughs> I know that South America is having a pretty good year so far. I know Chile's getting nuked right now. so That's the way it is with South America trip. It's like you don't even bother to check the forecast because you already bought the tickets and you're going, right? It's not like yeah, you exactly. can pull the plug and not go. <laughs> so it's yeah. I don't even bother <laughs> looking. Just like, whatever, I'm going. Deal yeah. with it when I get there. Totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Angel Collinson, so wonderful. Safe travels. And remember, everybody. You got this. You got it. <laughs> Thanks. Woo, thank you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bye. Next Level Skiing is brought to you by Wagner Custom Skis in Telluride, Colorado. The show is produced by Pete Wagner and Heidi Lauterbach. Music by Denver's The Angle. Seriously, check those guys out if you ever get a chance. Subscribe or download at wagnerskis.com or wherever you find your podcast. My name is Jason Blevins. May your next turn be better than your last, my friends. Thanks for listening.